You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. Man, lots on the slate today. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes you can see stories coming. They are expected. You know, there's going to be a press conference on this day or that day. And then once in a while, every once in a while, you get just a random Tuesday in the middle of February where it's one humongous news story after another. And yesterday was that random Tuesday. First, you get the news about Steve Mills out with the Knicks. Then you get the news that possibly, the rumors at least, Steve Cohen might be out with the Mets. And then late last night, not maybe as unexpected as the other two, but then you get the news that Mookie Betts out in Boston on his way to the L.A. Dodgers. So we got to touch on all three of those. Lots to do, lots to roll through as we do so over the next hour. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. I'm on Instagram, too, but I'm on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Uh, and the daily poll question, up for today, so we'll get to that in just a little bit. But, you know, yesterday we spent a good portion of the show talking about the Knicks, talking about the trade deadline, which comes up on Thursday. And my feeling was just how all It just feels pointless. It feels completely pointless. One of those days that as a fan, especially as a fan of a bad team, the trade deadline should be one of those areas that you kind of get pumped up about because at least there's the possibility of something changing, something changing the narrative, making a deal that maybe you can look back on in a couple of years and say, you know what, it was really bad then, but you know, it started to swing up in the right direction when we made this trade or this deal. And the reason why it feels so pointless is because even after a year, last year, in which the Knicks traded away their best player basically for a pouch of magic beans, a season in which they tanked and won 17 games so they could get the first pick in the draft, they wound up third, a season in which they hitched their wagons to free agency And then when it became free agency, they realized their wagon had no wheels. Despite all of that, and as bad as that year was last year, this year has been worse. This year, it's been worse because there is no hope. At this time yesterday, you're just sitting there ticking off the games on the schedule and not really having any feeling like, yeah, anything's going to change anytime soon. You're just going to keep rolling through this, whatever this is. Spinning their wheels, wasting time. Last year, now it turned out to be false hope, but at least there felt like a sense, okay, maybe it's going to finally turn around. Maybe the Knicks will get lucky in the draft. Maybe they might get lucky in free agency. Maybe they might even have a plan. Now it turned out all those things turned out to be wrong, but at least back then you could have a little bit of hope. But this year, there's no hope until, as we said yesterday, they make some fundamental changes in the front office at the very least. And then you get the news yesterday. Steve Mills is out. Fired is what everybody kept saying. We'll get to that in a minute. And... It came as a surprise because, I guess, the timing, just the fact that the move was finally made. Because, really, it should not have been surprising in any way. It should have been expected. Think about any other 
organization in any sport, any other, it would have happened a long time ago. Tell me one other organization anywhere, any dysfunctional organization that would have stuck by Steve Mills as long as the Knicks did, despite the fact he had been here for the better part of two decades and the team has been a disaster. And seemingly somehow continually gets worse. That's hard to do. Since he took over as team president, the record 61 and 154. They'll miss the playoffs for the seventh straight season. Since he has been involved in the organization, they've gone 398 and 718, which is horrendous. So as soon as that move was announced yesterday that Steve Mills is out, really even before that, but certainly since, you know what happens. If you're a Nick fan, you know how this cycle goes, right? A move is made, and as soon as it is, the names of the next guy get floated out there. The names of the next savior. And that's what the Knicks do continually. Jump from one savior to the next savior to the next savior. The big name, the splashy move. This is the person who's going to come in and fix it all. So the first name that has been out there. Clearly, Masai Ujiri, the Raptors team president. Plenty of people are saying that that's the guy that James Dolan is targeting. That's the guy he is looking to. That he views Masai Ujiri as the chosen one. And I can understand why, considering the deals that the Knicks have been floated in with the with, with, with Masai Ujiri... I would certainly say, wow, that guy's amazing. Problem is, he was making deals with the Knicks. But that's not the only name that's been floated. Plenty of other names will be out there as well. Sam Presti's name has been brought up. Kevin Pritchard. Maybe the agent route. That's another one that has been uh, targeted, it seems like. Rich Kleinman's name. Remember him? Ian Begley of SNY saying that um, Austin Brown is a possibility. I've seen people say maybe Rich Paul would have interest in the job and Nick fans yesterday were joyous right Steve Mills is finally out you could not have any hope whatsoever that the organization was really going to do anything but just kind of flitter at the bottom of the, the fish tank until they made fundamental changes and it seems like this is the first step in doing that so Nick fans looked at yesterday as some big, joyous day. Needless to say, I am a tad more skeptical. In fact, if Nick fans want a mantra to live by in the next, I don't know, however long it takes to find somebody and bring them in and make the changes, whether they happen or not, rather than hope, rather than faith, rather than fandom, rather than belief, it should be this. Don't tell me. Show me. Don't tell me about your plan. 
Don't tell me this is who you're targeting or this person or that person. Show me results. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me a billion times, shame on me. First off, everyone's saying that Steve Mills was fired. He wasn't. He's stepping down. Now, he may have been pushed, but he's still going to be working with under under the Madison Square Garden umbrella. He's just going to be in a different role. He's still going to have James Dolan's ear. And forgive me if maybe I'm a little jaded. But I'm not going to believe Masai Ujiri is going to come down from Toronto and fix it all, fix all that ails the Knicks organization until there's a press conference that says Masai Ujiri is leaving Toronto and is now going to run the New York Knicks. He's under contract. You'd have to give up compensation. The Knicks reportedly don't want to do that. As if they're in some bargaining negotiation, right? Like they're in some bargaining position to say, well, well, we want them, but we're not going to do that. Yeah, okay. He would be taking over basically an expansion team. That's what the Knicks are. Knicks fans, you got to get it through your thick skulls. This is not some premier job. Based on... Not even the owner. I'm not talking even about that or the internal problems that have plagued the Knicks front office forever where it seems like the only mission statement by anybody is to make sure you don't get fired. I'm talking about the talent level on the current team. This is basically an expansion team. Don't tell me about, oh, we got five picks here in the next or seven picks in the next five years. You have you are nowhere close to being anything resembling a contender. So if Masai Ujiri wants to get a big market team and wants a high-profile job, which the Knicks would be, it's a high-profile job. You're in New York City, clearly. But this feels like, at least so far, maybe I'll be wrong. I'm not generally. Most people aren't generally wrong when it comes to the Knicks. You know, there are some organizations that can make a counterintuitive move. And it actually turns out to be the right move. Smart organizations who clearly know what they're doing and have built up a track record of some success. When you go through the moves that the Knicks have made over the last five years, seven years, ten years, generally the perception has been, well, no, they shouldn't do that. And the perception has been 100% right. And it feels like the floating of Masai Ujiri as a name out there feels like just the latest savior who people are going to float as the guy who's going to come in here and fix it all, be it LeBron James, be it Kevin Durant, be it Phil Jackson, and now it's Masai Ujiri. And maybe the reason why I'm not going to be as celebratory as Nick fans were yesterday. Oh, Steve Mills is out. Steve Mills is out. People, yesterday was the easy part. Yesterday was the easiest decision the Knicks have to make. That one was simple. If the Knicks ever do get good again. I'm not even saying champion. I'm just talking about being a consistent playoff team year in and year out. If they ever get out of the doldrums that they're currently residing in for the last basically five years, you will look back and say, you know what? When the Knicks were 17 wins and then they got this year and then moving forward, 
easiest decision, the most obvious move to anyone with eyes, was they have to move on from Steve Mills. He had been here long enough. He had enough chances, enough swings at the ball to realize he was not the guy. He was never going to be the guy. So forgive me if I'm not throwing a parade because it's hard to envision a call that's going to be more clear-cut than the one that the Knicks made yesterday because the next decision is far more difficult. Do you give up compensation for Masai Ujiri? Do you go after Sam Presti, who could be, at least according to reports, ready to move on from uh, Oklahoma City? Do you follow the model of the Lakers or the Warriors and bring in uh, an agent, a guy who's got ties to players around the league? Do you make any moves before the trade deadline with Scott Perry now in charge at least, I guess, what, on an interim basis, right? Here's what the Knicks can't do. The same thing over and over again. It's not like the Knicks have not had chances to get it right before. They have, continually. I mean, they change people plenty of times. They bring people in and they fire them. There's there's a lot of churn. Now, not with Steve Mills. He had been there for, I mean, he was the guy, the, the, the one link. So they finally moved on from him, I guess. Although he's still going to be with, he's going to have a different role within the organization. And who knows? Who knows what actual power he'll have over James Dolan and, and being in his ear? Forgive me if I don't believe now that James Dolan is now just going to not listen to anything that Steve Mills has to say when it comes to the basketball team. But it's not like the Knicks have not had chances to get it right before, and they have continually done the opposite of what is the obvious move or what people expect them to do. And as I said, plenty of teams, plenty of organizations make counterintuitive moves, and they work. The Knicks have never had that, have never done that. So while everyone will point to Steve Mills or compare it to uh, Phil Jackson or Isaiah's time or the people they could have hired, which uh, that list is always better than the ones they actually ended up doing. You know who I ended up thinking about yesterday? And it's not a name that comes up very often when you talk about former Nick executives. Donnie Walsh. Donnie Walsh came here with a pretty good resume, clearly knew what he was doing, got the Knicks finally to get under the salary cap, something that people viewed as being impossible. The Knicks will never be. He got them, threw away season after season, Traded away contracts, traded away players to do so. To finally get the Knicks' house in order. Stop throwing away first-round picks like they're fun coupons off the side of Jordan Belford's boat. Then the decision to trade for Carmelo Anthony. He got everything in place. Came time. The owner wanted to trade for Carmelo Anthony rather than just waiting for him to be a free agent and keep your assets. And that was the wrong move. So it's not like the Knicks haven't had chances to get this right before. They have, and they never have. They have never gotten it right. So maybe this time it will be different. Let's hope so. But I have been burned too many times before to simply think that the most obvious move to be made is made, and now all of a sudden we should start throwing a parade. Don't tell me. Show me. So uh, the Knicks obviously uh, front and center today after the news that uh, comes up yesterday. Steve Mills out. He's not been fired, though. People have to stop. I mean, he, he basically stepped down. They agree that he's going to go someplace else. 
and now it'll be somebody else's task. And who that person is remains to be seen. But that's our poll question. It's up for today. Who do you want? And consider what you would have to give up, right? Like, it certainly seems like if the Knicks were to be getting Masai Ujiri, they would have to be giving up uh, two two number one picks. So keep that in mind, because otherwise it's just, right, clearly Masai Ujiri seems to be the, the, the name that you'd want, right? Guy has been able to, to win a championship, and uh, he's a guy that uh, has been successful everywhere he's been. So sure, that, that's a guy that would make perfect sense. Here's what the Knicks cannot do. And I don't know if anybody thinks this or, or agrees with this or whatnot. I'm, I'm assuming you'd have to. You can't think outside the box again. Because you don't know what should be in the box. You don't know what should be out of the box. You have shown no ability to hire the right people, get out of their way, and allow them to do their jobs. That has It really is more important than whoever it's going to be. So it can't be some young executive who's been an assistant GM, has got a good track record. And dri- no, can't be that guy. Has to be somebody who's got experience, who has a reputation, and can come in here and say, okay, I am going to be the face of this now. All questions point towards me and can say that to the owner too. And I don't know if that's possible. So, you know, you hear things yesterday. Here's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on the jump saying the Knicks are still a good job. Here's Adrian. You would think that given how Dolan has run the organization and how it is, it has ate up people, it has spit them out, that this is a job that elite GMs wouldn't want any part of. And, and I don't believe that's true. I think there are plenty of top-level executives, especially in smaller markets, who would love a crack at what it means to have the Knicks platform, to have the resources, uh, to still have that great Madison Square Garden stage. All right. I mean, it might be. A, I think that's a prestigious job. I don't know if it's a good job. And the reason why you have to go and get somebody with experience is because they have to be able to have people within the league that they can go to and know before they take the job what the job is going to be like, what is actually workable and what's not workable. Because it seems like the ownership is going to be something that is always going to be an issue. And I go back to Donnie Walsh. Donnie Walsh was a guy who had a reputation, who came here, did the hard task, did the hard work over two years of clearing out cap space, getting the Knicks kind of pointed in the right direction. And then when, you know, the rubber hit the road with the Carmelo Anthony thing, had a chance to just simply sign the guy, keep all the assets, maybe move them in some other deals to continue to build the team. The owner stepped in and said, no, I want him now. And they made the deal and the rest is history. So you need somebody who's going to be able to come in here and actually be able to work with ownership and say there are moves that need to be made that we ha- we can't buckle on these things. So an up-and-coming executive is not the guy. And I'm sorry, a player agent is not the guy either. The player agent, to me, is taking the shortcut again. The player agent is saying, all right, we're going to build this team primarily through free agency. We're going to be able to to get guys in the room, get meetings with guys that we've obviously not been able to do in the past, and convince them to come here and be the savior. We all agreed when free agency went the way it did, and I had hope, I had expectations that they were going to be. They cleared out all this calorie, this salary cap space. They must know something. They didn't know anything, and we all agreed at that point. You're not going to get premier free agents here until you build something. 
So I don't need somebody to come in here and make big, splashy moves. I don't care about the big, splashy move. I don't care about the big name. I care about winning. I care about building this thing and going in the right direction the right way through the draft. For all the criticisms of Phil Jackson, at least Phil, even with all the mistakes he made, and it's a long list, at least he stopped trading away first-round picks for nothing. You got your picks. If you have to give up two to get Masai Ujiri here, I would say do it, simply because those picks with someone else, the young executive route, someone who's had experience somewhere but not the the success of Masai Ujiri, they're not as valuable with you. They're valuable, but the two Dallas picks are going to be later. I mean, they're going to be late first-round picks. The Knicks have showed no ability, even with high first-round picks, to get that and cash in on them at the at the rate that other organizations have been able to do. So I would say if it means giving up two first-round picks from Masai Ujiri, get it done, bring him in, give him all the power that he needs, give him all the resources that he needs. That has not been an issue uh, with James Dolan for all the criticism that people have had. He gives people resources to do what they want to do. But he's got to hire somebody who knows what they're doing and just get out of his way and let him do what he And it might take a while. Again, this is not some quick fix. This is not some organization that should be looking, if they hired Masai Ujiri this moment, that should be looking at the playoffs this year or next. It's going to be a pro- It's going to take a couple of years. The Knicks are at the bottom. And it's not a fluke. It's not, they're not one deal or two away. So that to me is, it's a no-brainer. Sam Presti, I guess, would have some, look, if, if Masai Ujiri is not going to be able to get here, well, then you have to hire somebody who's done the job before that comes in and you know can do the job and then give him the power to do what he's got to do. It can't be about the quick fix. It can't be about thinking outside the box. Again, Knicks have thought outside the box plenty of times. They're buried in the box. All right, let's get some phone calls in. one 800 espn is the phone number. one 800 Go to James in Jersey. James, what's going on, my man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. 100% believe with everything that, that you're saying. And and, and with, with Mills, the, the whole point is I feel he made Fisdell check out because they did the exact opposite of what he was trying to do. All the players that he let go, um, their salaries altogether total like $10 million. And his plan was like, okay, $18 million was supposed to go towards our bench and $60 million was supposed to go towards our you know, getting two max players. But you did the opposite. Like Julius Randle got $18 million, and $60 million went to a bunch of nobody. So, I mean, like, and now it's, we're at a place like no more let's, let's try Phil Jackson or let's try Phil Dale. It's time to do, you know, like yeah. do Mark Get Jackson somebody who's got a, a – it's not even about the coach. It has to be about the executive first. It has to be somebody who's going to come into this organization and show them how to do it. They don't know how to do it right now. So don't t- don't tell me about the coach. It's not about the coach right now. There'll be time for that conversation down the road. You have to get the right guy in here, a guy who's done the job before, a guy who's got a track record of success, and a guy who actually knows what he's doing. There can't be any of this. Well, let's hi- – like the Phil Jackson one, which everybody was in favor of. I was not, but a lot of people were. I could understand why. Track record of success – had never done the job that he was getting hired for. You can't do that again. You've done, 
the first way of, of correcting the mistake is stop making the same mistake. Get somebody. There are more than enough executives. Adrian Wojnarowski is as plugged in, obviously, as anybody. He knows that there are guys out there in smaller markets who would jump at the chance. Get one of them. Get one of them who has done the job before, and as soon as they walk in, you know they can do the job. It's not a question, well, maybe in a couple of years, this guy, once he learns the, the ropes a little bit, no, 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 no. You've wasted enough time, and it's going to take enough time to get this pointed in the right direction. Again, not a quick fix. But get somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing and can show you, because it's clear at this point, the Knicks don't know. Dylan's in Freehold. Dylan. Hey, what's going on, Gordon? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. So I wanted to start by saying there is zero, absolutely zero way to spin yesterday into a negative. Yesterday, the firing of Steve Mills was the second best thing to happen in my life as a Knicks fan. Number one being the 2012-2013 season in a whole. That was the greatest time of my life as a Knicks fan. Yesterday came in a undisputed second place. Steve Mills being fired, second greatest thing to happen in my life as a Knicks fan. And I want to pose a question to you, Gordon, because I know you. I'm, I've been listening for a little while. I listen to you on my drive to work every morning. What move would make you happy? I feel like you're, you're a bit of a skeptic. I don't mind it because I like you know thinking and having questions posed to me that get me going. What move can the Knicks make at general manager, at president, that you're going to get on the air and absolutely rave about and praise the Knicks for Go get him inside a jury. You know what the first thing I would do is? I would go and talk to Jerry West. You know, James awesome. Dolan okay. has all this money. It's burning a hole in his pocket. He's spent. He's wasted lots of money already. First thing I would do is see if Jerry West had any interest whatsoever. And I would stack up the cash as high as I needed to. First off, bring him in as an advisor, right? Get somebody who's done the job, who knows the job can show you what the job is. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing, I would put together a dream team. I would go so far, oh, it's clear that you need something dramatic and big, and not splashy to win the back page, but hire people who know what they're doing. Masai Ujiri, I would give up two first-round picks. from. Go give them the Dallas picks. Go. They're not, you're not going to, as currently constituted, and if you follow the same path as you've been doing for forever, those picks aren't going to be that valuable to you. So at least get something of value. And I know the moment you, Masai Ujiri walks in the door, I know he can do the job. I'd feel the same way, maybe not as, as strongly about Sam Presti, but I'd feel the same way about him. Somebody who has had it, and not somebody, well, you know, they had a couple of good moves here and a couple of moves. No, those are two guys who clearly Know how to do the job. No more thinking outside the box. No. You have proven that that does not work. Other organizations can do that. You're not one of them. Let's go out to Adam and Union. Adam. You're killing me, Gordon. You're killing me. You and all the deluded Nick fans are killing me. You guys are talking as if people are coming here. This is like. No, I I, I said I do not believe Masayu Jiri is coming here, but if I'm approaching it from the Knicks, I am doing everything I can to get that guy here. But no, do I believe that he's coming here? I said, don't don't tell me. Show me. Go show me that you hired him. 
This is like 2000. After, there's two reasons why people are coming as examples. One, after 2013, where we had a 50-win 50 50 season, out went Grunwald and Walsh. Out. He got rid of both of them. It made no sense because he can't work with front office personnel. Any front office executive saw that and, and scratched their head. That's one. And the other reason is for players, free agents, that saw what happened with Oakley. That was all over the NBA. People are not coming here. The only way that we're going to turn this thing around is either A, we, we um, hit a grand slam on the draft, a la Patrick Ewing, or um, you know we get a New York guy in here, like a, a Van Gundy or a Mark Jackson or somebody along those lines. But see, Adam, they, they have hired people. Like Donnie Walsh is maybe not as, as prestigious and is not as successful as the Messiah Jerry has been. But he was a guy that the Knicks hired, and there have been opportunities for the Knicks to hire the right person in the past. They just haven't done it. David Griffin was a guy who was on their radar, I believe interviewed for the job, and then when he realized that Steve Mills was still going to be here, pulled his name out of contention. So I get it. I don't believe that any of these guys are coming here until I see it because I've been burned too many times before. But if I'm approaching it from the Knicks' point of view – you have been able to hide. People have been interested in this job before, and it, the problem is you. It's not them. It's not that they don't want to come here. It's not that they don't want to take on the challenge. It's none of that. It's that you haven't hired them. You have not put what's necessary in place. And if Musayo Jiri says, okay, this is what we got to do. We got to get rid of the scouting department. We got to get rid of the medical team. Whatever he says you do, you do. It's that simple. <laughs> Foles running up and down the line. It's a direct snap, and it goes to Clement, who gives it off to Burton, the tight end, who then throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Foles caught the ball on a touchdown pass of the yard by the tight end. What did we just see? All right, there's the Philly special. Kevin Harlan, obviously, the call there. Westwood won. This date, two years ago? Was that the fourth? Today's the fifth, right? I don't even know what... It was on the 4th. Today's the 5th. Okay, so there you go. It was, it was close. <laughs> Anytime you can put a highlight of the Patriots getting beat, I feel like that's a good, that's a winner. So there you go. You're a moment of inspiration for this Wednesday morning. Hey, join the Michael K. Show at the 33rd Annual Connecticut Cancer Foundation Celebrity Dinner and Memorabilia Auction taking place this Friday, February 7th at Mohegan Sun. This is a special evening with proceeds going to a special charity, the Connecticut Cancer Foundation, helping families with assistance for everyday living expenses to help with critical needs while battling this horrific disease, call 860-388-0788 to purchase the seat. Hang out with Major League Baseball stars and personalities like the Yankees' Gary Sanchez, Adam Adovino, Gio Urshela, and more. For more information, call 860-388-0788 or go to the ConnecticutCancerFoundation.org. ConnecticutCancerFoundation.org. All right, so... I've been talking a lot about the Knicks. We'll continue to take your phone calls, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. We're obviously going to push headlines back to tomorrow because there's just so much stuff going on. Yesterday was just a very eventful day, first with the news about the Knicks. I do think that there's one unfair criticism that I've heard from a lot of people, and maybe it's because those people truly are... Verified Knicks hater. But the idea, well, why are you firing this guy two days before the trade deadline? Well, what do you want him to do? Fire him two days after the trade deadline? You don't have a time machine. Even the Knicks do not have a time How dare the Knicks not have a time machine? 
They don't have a time machine to go back and, and fire Steve Mills. I wish they did by all means, but they don't. Once you realize the guy is not the guy, do it immediately. If it's two days before the trade deadline, if it's one day before the trade deadline, if it's an hour before the trade deadline, whatever it, it, it get on it. Now, it was an obvious move. It was the most obvious move that you could ever have for any organization. A guy who's been here better part of two decades and the team has stunk for the better part of two decades. So firing him two days before the trade deadline is a whole lot better than holding on to him for any much longer. It's certainly better than allowing Phil Jackson to run the draft and then getting rid of him. It's certainly better than the Jets allowing Mike McCagnan to run the draft and free agency. Signing guys. The coach clearly did not want so sure I, I think that this is just the beginning you have to move on from a whole lot more people than just steve mills this was the easy move yesterday the knicks have a lot of hard work to do this was easy this was like deciding to go on a diet you haven't done the hard work yet then you have the mets pitchers and catchers right around the corner hope springs eternal but the hope this year, every team going into spring training has hope. But the hope with the Mets this season is warranted. We've we've touched on it. This is a very talented team. This is a team that should e- easily be in the mix for a playoff spot this year, even with the things that went wrong last year. They were in the mix for a playoff spot last year. I think we mentioned that what they have the eighth best odds to win the World Series this year. And the hope for the future buoyed by the fact that it's just a matter of time before hedge fund billionaire Steve Cohen takes over and finally starts running the Mets like they reside in a major market. It's a good time to be a Met fan. Uh Uh-oh. Oopsie. Because then you get the news yesterday, rumors, sources saying close to the situation that billionaire hedge fund manager Steve Cohen is ending negotiations with the Wilpon, with the Wilpons, on his purchase of an 80% stake in the franchise. According to those sources, this according to the Post, Cohen is deeply unhappy with the Wilpons changing the terms of the deal at a very late stage and has decided to walk away. When the rumors that a deal with Cohen was dead... The Mets offered that uh, non-denial. Quote, the parties are subject to confidentiality obligations, including a mutual non-disclosure agreement, and therefore cannot comment. Now, obviously, you probably have already assumed this. I am not a lawyer. But even as a non-lawyer, that was not a no. That was not, there's nothing to these rumors at all. This is ridiculous. So it clearly seems like, There is trouble in paradise. And I like the fact that Steve Cohen uh, was described as being unhappy. Well, you're part of the Mets organization right now, so you you probably should get used to that. And it's fitting in an offseason when you hire a manager who never manages, you bring in an owner who never owns. This is like a theme here. And this is obviously the second time it's happened. People have brought up 2011, David Einhorn. We're not able to work out a, a deal with either Einhorn or Finkel. Finkel also walked away. People forget So this could be – it is kind of a critical time because this core is not going to be together forever, and it certainly seems like this is the time. If this team, if this core is ever going to win a title, 
It's going to happen here in the next couple of years. Guys are going to start to get more expensive. And to bring somebody in who could actually run the franchise like it resides in New York City is key. I get the feeling, and this is not from anything that I have any inside information, it feels like this is still a negotiation, though, right? Like you float this rumor out there that the deal is almost dead. It's not completely dead. Nobody is saying that it's 100% dead. It's mostly dead, like uh, the Princess Bride. I find it hard to believe that after the opportunity to find – Steve Cohen has been trying to get involved in Major League Baseball for a while – He's I find it hard to believe he's just going to walk away at this point. Now, he's not he's going to make it clear he's not going to get taken, certainly not by the Wilpons. So if this is what it takes to put his foot down and make sure that the Wilpons think about from their point of view, do they really want to go back to square one again and try to find somebody and deal with the the publicity black eye that this would be for it happening a second time? I don't think so. I would think, though, if there is any hope of of moving this deal back towards life, it would happen here in the next day or so. So we'll see what rumors are are out there over the course of the next 24 hours. All right, Mookie Betts on his way to the Dodgers. You hear the reports yesterday of uh, the the deal being done. So uh, the Dodgers do land Mookie Betts and really do so, it seems like, for, for pennies on the dollar. Now, he's only signed through this coming season, so whether or not the Dodgers are able to sign him long-term, considering some of what the reports are, that he's looking for $420 million. What was it, over 13 years, 12 years, whatever, a lot of money. And the Red Sox were only offering $300 million. So he's on the move to the Dodgers. To me, this really speaks much more to the Padres. The Padres have been terrible for so long. And to strike out on this deal... It's almost like, what are you doing? You've had nine straight losing seasons. You haven't been to the playoffs in 13 years. You have one playoff win, not a playoff series win. They, I believe they have one playoff game win since 1999. I mean, they've been terrible forever. And here you are stockpiling apparently all these prospects and a guy finally becomes available you could land you bring him in you have him for a year and then you go out and spend some money on him i I get it maybe not by the way i might want to build a team but when you're the padres what are you doing and the dodgers just swoop in get them for a couple of prospects and now they put mookie betts atop their lineup So it's pretty clear we are going into this season with the Red Sox dealing with what they're dealing with, the Astros dealing with what they're dealing with, the Yankees are the odds-on favorite, and it's it's clear they have to get to the World Series this year. And it's pretty clear the Dodgers are doing it. You can't ever guarantee that you'll win a World Series, but making what you have in place with the Dodgers already, making a move like this, they're doing everything they can. They just added Mookie Betts to a team that won, what, 106 games last year? And they just added Mookie Betts. So they're doing everything they can to guarantee it that at least they'll be in the playoffs. All right, let's get some phone calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN. We'll go out to John and Freehold. John, what's going on, man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. Gordon, this idea of giving up multiple first-round draft picks for an executive, uh, uh, that doesn't sit well with me, Gordon. But these first-round picks, John, if they keep them and they do what they continually do, 
They're not that valuable. Yeah, I, I understand, but when you bring in the right guy, you're not going to continually do what you've been doing. When you bring in a guy like Sam Presti, you know, a lot of people talk about Sam Presti's draft history. Oh, well, you know, anybody could do it with, with uh, lottery picks. All the picks he made were not lottery <laughs> picks, and you've got to make the right decisions as an executive to pick the right players in those positions that you're selecting in a draft. You look at guys like uh, Reggie Jackson he drafted wasn't a lottery pick. Steven Adams wasn't a lottery pick. Andre Roberson wasn't a lottery pick. You, you know, you got Serge Ibaka wasn't a lottery pick. And, and we all know who the other guys are, you know, yeah. Arden, right. Durant, sure. Westbrook. And then you look how he, how he made out in the trades. You know, it became public he had to get rid of Paul George on the fly, and, and you knew he didn't have the leverage and the strength in the deal, and he came out smelling like a rose in that trade. He did extremely well given the circumstances with Paul George, and the same with uh, Russell Westbrook. So you've got to look at his history in its totality. And for a franchise that has no assets right now, I want to be extremely active over these next couple of days, Gordon, and I want to acquire as many draft picks as I can, whether they're first-round draft picks or second-round round draft picks, their assets and their valued commodities, and it enhances your chances of wooing a guy, you know, to come here because he's got more in the treasure chest to deal with from a uh, flexibility standpoint when you're trying to make trades. When's the last time the Knicks were aggressive and made a real strong trade uh, at the NBA draft, the draft night trade? If you can get some more draft picks over these next couple of days to add to what you, you have already, which is pretty much nothing, it's going to enhance your chance of making a big splash on the, at the NBA draft when you identify somebody you really want, and you could bring that person in as a franchise changer. Well, I, I look, adding another couple of second-round picks I, I don't think is going to be able to swing either Masai Ujiri or, or, or Sam Presti. I mean, Sam Presti, I believe, is still under contract, too. Now, I know there are reports that his relationship with the owner in Oklahoma City would be if he felt like he was ready to move on and the guy that they have as the assistant GM apparently is ready to take over, that they'd be more willing to allow Presti to leave. I have not seen anything that said that they would allow him to leave without any compensation granted. And the fact that he's under contract, I'm sure that Oklahoma City would want some some compensation. So maybe it's not two first-round picks that you're talking about with Toronto, but it would probably be something. It'd probably be something. Look, I, I'm in agreement with John. Any moves that you can make before the deadline to move off some of these veterans that you signed to the one-year deals, Marcus Morris being the most likely, of course, make that move. Whatever you get, if it's a mid-round first-round pick, if it's a late first-round pick, if it, of course, get something of value. You're not going to build your team around Marcus Morris. But to think that, that stockpiling those assets, that's going to be pretty far, I think, down on the list uh, for Masai Ujiri to come here. I don't think I think it's going to be about control, about having the decision making power to do what he wants to do and put the people in place that he wants. That's what it's going to come down to. Eli in Queens. Eli, go. Hey, what's going on? Listen, uh, I don't know why, why people are talking about these these draft picks like this is the NFL. The NBA doesn't work that way where, where these draft picks make a major change in your team. And uh, I mean, there there are lottery. I mean, look. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to be lottery picks or whatnot, especially not the Mavericks picks. But look, they're assets, right? And 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 it's your job to find people. Get it's not always guys that are in the top of the lottery that you can find serviceable players, good players later on in the draft, and good organizations are able to do that. So no, look, I'm not throwing them away on nothing. And one of the moves that the Knicks have done here over the last couple of years, I like, is that not trading away first round picks.
Spike in Jersey. Spike, man. Okay, real quick. Good to hear John back in the loop. I think John and I could do a better job than the previous general managers have done. I'm I'm a proponent of the two mentioned before, if you can get them. You know, Sam Presti will go, well, I got a contract here. I'm making a million five. Give you five million. See you Tuesday. You know, that's what you do. You throw the money at the right guy. If you can't get him, you go after Van Gundy. And uh, and I like, uh, I said it yesterday, I really, really like to bring Rick Pitino back as coach. I know I know that's really going crazy there, yeah. but... Yeah. I look, to me, it's about Spike, and I'm sorry I got to let you go because we're running out of time. To me, it's about finding the guy that you are going to run this organization. If it's Presti, if it, I, I can't have, and I love Jeff Van Gundy, I'm not bringing Jeff Van Gundy in to be the GM. I'm bringing a GM to be the GM. No more thinking outside the box. Done. You know what else is done? The show. We'll see you tomorrow at 5 o'clock, 98.7 FM. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.